Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam Parham. I'm the host for this show. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is a little bit different of a podcast than you're used to if you've been listening to the um, the podcast for a while now. This last weekend was New Life Weekend here at the church, um, and what that means is that we do baptisms every service. So um, this weekend we did baptisms in all four of our services and. Part of that is we uh, have the people that are getting baptized, we have them share their story with the congregation uh, from the stage. And um, this is a super powerful moment in the service where people get to um, cheer cheer these people on as they're sharing uh, vulnerably their, their story. And um, I wanted to share with you just a few of those. Um, I, just, I just shared, I picked two from the weekend um, for you guys to hear. Um, Nathan's message from the weekend will be in this podcast as well, but at the very beginning, we're going to just start it with those um, two uh, baptism testimonies. Um, and then also, I just wanted to let you know, um, on Wednesday this week, we'll have a, a special bonus episode of the podcast coming out, the first midweek podcast. So make sure to check back um, and um, subscribe if you're not already subscribed so that you can get access to that content. But here's a couple of the testimonies. I hope that you enjoy it. And uh, thanks for listening. All right, I just said your name, but you say your name for us. Sarah Frazier. Everybody say hi, Sarah. All right, you're not alone now. I'm going to let you share your story. Okay. Hi, my name is Sarah Frazier, and I'm 22 years old. I was a missionary kid born and raised in Jordan. Even though I grew up in a Christian home learning Bible stories, I was 15 years old when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. It was then when I wanted a personal relationship with God and that I realized that I needed him. I finally realized about the great sacrifice that Jesus did for us, for sinners like me, that we didn't deserve a gift like that, but God loved us that much. I could feel a difference in my life. God gave me a compassion for helping others. Instead of living for myself, I wanted to live for him. A few years go by and I'm 18 now. I went to Memphis, Tennessee for college. I loved the city, college, my independence, and more friends that I could count. I was doing great from an outside perspective, but I fell away from God for a while. I remember those years being so lonely and lost. I fell back in living life for myself. In, 2000, in August 2018, I was ready for classes and to see everyone again. Two weeks before classes started, I found out that I was pregnant. My whole world stopped and shattered into a million pieces. I was ashamed, embarrassed, and so scared. If I had the money, I would have bought a ticket to Costa Rica and never faced anyone again. But I knew that was not reality. What I did instead was leave Memphis, college, and friends and move to Michigan with my parents and grandma. I was still ashamed, embarrassed, and angry my first couple months of pregnancy. I was so angry at myself and God, not understanding why this happened, why God allowed this. But really, I did it to myself. I was the one who put me in this situation. But God used this life-changing situation to pull me back to him. You are never too far from him to reach you. Those feelings of wanting to live for him all came back remembering his great sacrifice for sinners like me. God is so merciful, merciful to us. Even when I chose this hard journey, God made the outcome beautiful. He used it in a way that made me come back to him, wanting to follow, obey, trust, and give everything to him again. 
I am thankful for what he has done in my life and also the life of my baby girl he gave me also. My daughter, Sophie Naomi, is five months old now, and I am forever thankful for her. She's exactly what I needed to help me come back to the Lord. God has used Sophie as a daily reminder of his love and grace. I'm anticipating that God will use me to help others who find themselves in similar situations. I'm excited for the plans God has for my daughter and I, what he will do next. Thank you, Jesus, for being my hero. That's awesome. Why don't you uh, share your name with them? Hi, I'm Jacqueline Cooley. Everybody say hi, Jacqueline. All right, you're not alone. All right. Go ahead and share your story with us. Um, so I was blessed to be to know God in a Catholic home and was baptized as a child and confirmed my faith in Jesus Christ in my early teens. Through my college years, my relationship with Jesus changed. I moved away from going to church regularly, but still pursued him and his word on my own scheduled regimens. Simultaneously, unhealthy mental habits were being fed in me, a strive for perfection that was getting out of hand, reliance on others to validate my choices and successes, and my independent relationship with Jesus became part of this strive for perfection. Over the years, my anxiety continued to mount from overexertion in every corner of my life. I finally went to get help with my anxiety a year ago, and over the course of a painful, long process, started to realize that my perception of what was required of me was incredibly skewed, a big part of that being my relationship with Jesus. On the outside, I might act and behave similarly now to how I have for a long time, but on the inside, I was tormented by crushing feelings of inadequacy and an inability to articulate why I felt that way. Ultimately, the faith I had confirmed in Jesus earlier in my life had been twisted over the years such that I believed I had to be deserving of Jesus' help. Slowly, over the course of several months, God put the right people in my life speaking truth to me. I came to terms with the reality that no one deserves the redemption that Jesus claimed for us, and I rededicated my life to Christ. I now know I am saved from my sins, from my shortcomings, my failures, by God's grace alone. This doesn't mean I shouldn't strive to live by his rules, but it does mean that my relationship with him is not dependent upon my success. Since recommitting my life to Christ, my life now likely looks similar to most people. I still work hard towards goals, both professional and personal. The difference is my perspective, a shift from treating everything like a mountain that will defeat me to recognize, recognizing that I will never be everything, but he created me for a purpose and to glorify him in that purpose. I accept that I cannot earn what he has given me and that, <clears throat> that, that is the ability to walk with him daily. Honestly, though this is a truth I now accept, I have to remind myself constantly. But today I am sharing with all of you that have, I have claimed Jesus as my savior despite my faults. I expect him to use me and my testimony to reach others who struggle with anxiety and fear of not measuring up to God's expectations and to let them know that Jesus meets us in our brokenness, not just in our successes. Welcome. You guys, uh, how you guys feeling? You feeling good? Yeah, all right, 20 of you feel good. The rest of you, 
You're going to get there. It's going to be all right. <laughs> Welcome. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm grateful that you are here. Before we go any further, I do want to remind you, for those who weren't able to be here at the very beginning of the gathering, we talked about This Is Us, our next series, and I can't tell you how excited I am. We've been preparing for over a year to share with you these things that we have found about us, about you, about something that we've always been, about the unique voice that God has given this church from the very beginning. And we believe that's part of our voice in the community. And we want to communicate that to you. We want you to celebrate in it. And I, I think that you're going to have a great time. So if you're looking around and you haven't seen some people who used to call Life Church their home, invite them back. And this is a great series as well for people who have been out of church for a long time or have never have come. I can't encourage you enough to think about that person in your mind right now and online as well. I'd love for you to invite people to this experience. But I'm grateful that you are here because this is New Life Weekend, and it's already been incredible. Yeah, we have been able to do some baptisms. Some people's lives have been changed uh, and celebrate what Jesus is doing. And so whether you are here for the very first time, you just walked in and didn't realize it was baptism uh, Sunday, or <laughs> you've been here um, for a while, or you're here to support, I'm grateful that you are here. It's no accident that you are here in the testimony that you're going to hear today. And if you stick around for more testimonies, they're written for you. They're written to encourage you, to help you understand the story of the individual and how it's a story of victory, a story of what God has done. And I want to talk about that today. But I need weekends like this in the world like today. I really do. I've already been incredibly encouraged. My face hurts from smiling so much yesterday. But don't you need something like this too? You know, I tell you what, when I look forward and by that, forward, I mean loosely, to this year of political polarization that we all have to look forward to. I get a little exhausted. Anyone else exhausted already? And it's barely even started. Yeah, I, I'm exhausted. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. It feels hopeless, like our political system's never going to get that much better, but we still got to try. But it feels hopeless. Have you felt hopeless? Maybe lately you felt hopeless. Maybe you're a student and you've just graduated from college, but you're saddled with debt and these student loans for the education that you have to have isn't producing the job that you need to pay for the loans that you took out to get that job. And it feels like your life's a little bit on pause. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone else? Cool. No one in here has student loan debt. Oh, thank you. They're like, no, no, I got it. I got it. I'm back here. I got one. I need a job. I need a job right now. Give me a job, please. Please. <laughs> you know, maybe you have had to change your job. Maybe you have a career and all of a sudden things have shifted and you have to start over. That feeling of like, oh, it's hopeless or divorce or a breakup in a relationship. You know, something that's so significant and all of a sudden you're back to square one, although it doesn't feel like square one. It feels like a couple spaces back because now you've got this baggage and hurt and pain. I, I like to think of it like this. Somebody who's like lost a lot of weight, if you know, or if you've been someone who's lost a lot of weight, but then you gained it back again. And it's this hopeless feeling of knowing what it took to get where you were and knowing that you're going to have to do it again just to get where you were feels a little hopeless and starting over. Maybe you're frustrated by sickness and hardship. Why hope in good things when sickness and death keep coming? Why hope that it's going to be better? Better off just accepting the inevitable and stop setting yourself up for failure. I heard this really inspirational quote the other day. Life is pain. 
Then you die. <laughs> Welcome to church, everybody. <laughs> I want to encourage you today. <laughs> but isn't that right? Having hope seems so hopeless sometimes. Having hope seems so hopeless. I believe that hope sometimes can seem hopeless because we are ultimately asking some form of this question, of these questions that we don't necessarily have the answer for. The first is, what is the point of all this? Not the church building, but the world, malls, and our political system and everything. What's the point of all this? Is this really all there is? Or you're asking the question, what's my point? Why do I exist? What purpose does my life really have in the grand scheme of things? Or finally, what's the point of living in a world that has so much suffering and hurt and pain? Give up. Why hope? Because hope has a cost. You have to invest something of yourself into hope. And if it doesn't show up, it can lead to bitterness. Better just start now and adopt the grumpy old man, get off my lawn persona. It's like, get off my lawn, you hooligans. It's like, just forget it. But I actually believe like days like today, this weekend, are full of hope and that we need them. No matter how you ended up here today, I know that the word of God and the experience you're going to go through today is going to give you a moment to express and to embrace hope. And that is something worth believing in. Romans is a book in the Bible. It's actually a letter. And Paul is writing to a church, to people who know Jesus Christ. And he's reminding them of hope, just like you need to be reminded of hope today. And so I'd like to read it for you, but we're going to do something a little bit different. You know, we're used to seeing it on the screen. It will be on the screen in just a moment. Um, but what I want you to do is actually just listen to it to open up your ears. Do you know that how this letter was received by the original church is that someone stood up in front of a congregation and read the letter out loud? So I'd like to do that with you. And for us to be able to embrace that fully, I'd invite you just to close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. Uh, you don't have to, but close your eyes. Just listen to the words of Paul to this church. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You can open your eyes. So much in that. So many things going on that I want to share with you. But today, just like he did, I'd like to restore your hope, remind you of it, and to give people hope who've never had hope before. And I want to go through it, and I want to teach you how to stand in grace and boast in glory. So let's go back to Romans 5.1. You can join me on the screen or in your Bibles. We're only going to be in Romans 5, 1 through 5 today. I encourage you to read the entire chapter and the chapter before because we're going to talk about some incredible things that he lays out much better than I do. 
But I want to talk about that first verse. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. An incredibly full sentence that deserves to be unpacked for just a moment. Justified. What does justified mean? Not a word we use very often. It means to proclaim, to declare, to announce that something that was broken Something that was dirty, something that was unlawful, something that was not right, is now right, is now lawful, it is now good, it is now pure. And so this idea we have been justified through faith is this process where we believe in Jesus and he speaks over us that we are now good. But the reason why that's important is because it says, therefore, we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. You need to know today that there is something more than what you see every day. There's something more to this life than you think there is. There is a God. There is someone who created all things and who has a relationship with each of us, even though that relationship looks significantly different based on your understanding of Jesus Christ. There is something more than what you see around you. There's something more than all of this. And maybe if you've ever felt distant from God or you're not sure he's even there, it could be because that relationship with him that you don't have peace with him. And this verse right now is saying, Paul is saying, I am saying to you that you can have peace with God, that you could be made right and made clean, a relationship with God restored through what Jesus Christ did. See, Jesus Christ, he died on a cross for you because he wanted to have justice served, but instead of justice being served in you and the rules uh, being meted out on you, he took it upon himself. Another way of understanding it is this beautiful quote um, from an artist that I like. He, he says this, wounded from me, wounded from me, there on the cross, he, Jesus, was wounded for me. Now I'm forgiven and now I am free, all because Jesus was wounded for me, dying for me, dying for me. There on the cross, he was dying for me. Now in his death, my redemption I see, all because Jesus was dying for me. Jesus declares us right again. What if someone could pay for every mistake you ever made? Every wrong word you ever made, every moment you uh, abused or, or verbally like hurt someone or lied or stole or hurt or cheated? What if every single thing you've ever done could be made right? Through Jesus, it can. It can be justified. But what if there was more to this life? What if there was a God who wanted to have a relationship with you? There is this desire inside of you to want something more than what we can see, and that desire is fulfilled in God. Your mistakes don't define you. This life doesn't define you. There's something more there. And so let's continue on, and I'll read it again. But we need to understand what it means to be justified through faith. Are you guys with me? Okay, six of you are with me. Are the rest of you with me now? Okay, we're getting there. It's all right. It's early, guys. There's coffee out there if you need it. It'll be all, it'll be all right. 
Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. When we place our faith in Jesus as our Savior, as our rescuer, as our justifier, we have peace with God, but something else becomes ours. Something is given to us, something that you didn't earn. See, justice is what we should have got. It's getting what you deserve, and mercy is not getting what you deserve. But grace, grace is getting something you absolutely never could deserve. Paul is reminding these believers that you have received grace and to stand in it. And if you want hope to rise inside of you right now, you need to remind yourself to stand in grace, to stand on grace, to put your feet on top of it, to stand it, to remind yourself. Everybody say, stand on grace. grace. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means to stand on a privilege, stand on something that's greater, stand on this access, this invitation into the very presence of God. What is this grace? That you get to be in God's presence. Again, that's what it means, that peace with God, that you're invited to know the person who made you. Sin got in the way and broke relationship, but Jesus allowed you to be with him again. But what does that mean? I want you to feel for just a moment how awesome, how incredible, how amazing it is to be in the throne room of God. Imagine the biggest castle you've ever seen or on TV or the throne room. You know, in these shows where it talks about the ancient world, right, where there's these throne rooms that they're gorgeous and amazing. Maybe it's the red keep in the Game of Thrones, or maybe you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't worry, it's not important. But maybe you've seen on TV in England the throne room of Queen Elizabeth, right? Like the, the queen, right? God save the queen. Note a one? Good. I was hoping there'd be a Tory in here somewhere. Uh, the war, we did win. We're no longer under them, but God save the queen. It's all good. <laughs> But this throne room, have you ever seen one? The awe? Have you ever been in a place like that? You walk in and it just feels like something important's happening. Now, imagine something even greater than you can imagine. Try to imagine in your eye that it's full of this glory and bright lights and angels and blinding colors and you just feel inside of you that you're shook. You're shook when you see this and you look up at the throne and it's so bright you can barely see it and then the person sitting on the throne you can't even look at. The awe and wonder makes you fall on your face. And that is what we're invited into. We stand in that room. We have gained access, that we can have this connection with God, this access, this invitation to be there, to know, to know that we belong. You stand in that room, not sometimes, but always, not sporadically, but continuously. You see, this grace we have been given, we don't fall out of that grace, we stand on it. And to stand on grace means to know that no matter what you do, no matter how you mess up in the future, God has covered it and has allowed you to be in his presence. To know that no matter what, I get to have access to the creator of the universe. What if you could have that? What if you could live in that every moment? 
I'm telling you what, if I knew I had access to the creator every moment, if I placed myself in that mental state of mind, I think I'd be a lot happier person. I'd have a lot more hope. But what if you could have that for the first time? What if you could have access to power beyond your understanding? What would it be like to stand in the knowledge that your feet are always firmly placed? That is our hope. That is what's been given to us. Do you feel the hope rising in you? Are you being reminded? Are you hoping that it could be yours again? Do you feel this hope rising? Paul is asking them to remember. Let's continue on. What does it say? Through him we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is when it starts to get good. Boasting is a strong word. It's this braggadocious verbal swagger. It elevates what you boast above anything and everything else. When you boast, you're talking about something as if it's the greatest thing in the world. It's better than sliced bread, unlimited data, the Lions winning the Super Bowl, and the birth of your children all combined together. It is good. Amen? Anyone else? You don't like your children? Okay, I see how you are. When you boast, it is good. But this word also doesn't just mean boast. It means rejoice. It means yes and yes and yeet and all right and amen and 100. I love you 3,000. It's bake that bread and shake that bacon, whatever else you want it to be. It is rejoicing. This is the time where you can say amen. Or bake that bread, whatever you want to do, shake and bake. I don't know what it is, but this is that boasting. See, hope rises inside of us when we boast. But what are we boasting about? The glory of God. We boast in glory. Say that with me. Say, boast in glory. All right, now I need you to, like, give it a little more, I don't know, something to it. You know, like, get it some, like, mm, like, you know what I mean? Like, boast in glory. Man, I know how you guys talk about your sports teams. You better talk about God a little bit better than that. Everybody say boast in glory in your best preacher voice. Boast in glory. Ready? Go. Boast in glory. That is way better. Thank you. But we boast in what glory? The glory of God. When what God wills starts to happen, when he brings heaven to earth, he will do someday, but he's doing it now. That is glory. Now, why does this matter when we feel hopeless? Because we understand that when we boast in glory, we're in the place we were always designed to be. Our lives are not meant to be lived for ourselves. Our lives are meant to point to him. We know that our lives serve a point. Our lives are meant to be lived to the fullest extent possible. John 10.10 is a verse that you may have heard. It says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I, and this is Jesus talking, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Other translations call it the abundant Life, and what God wants you to have is life into the full, but life to the full doesn't mean having all the cars, the things that you want, no suffering, to have the relationships that you want, to never have to go through any difficulties. It's not the best life now. That's not what that means. The life to the full, do you know what it means? It means when your life, your skills, your abilities, your, your artistic nature, the things that you have been given, the spiritual gifts you have been given, everything that you have, that you live it to the full in service to God and you bring glory in every moment of every day to him. That is life to the full and it is good. That, what it means to boast in glory. You boast not in yourself but what God is doing. That's why an artist said, take my life and let it 
be all for you. Let it be for my king, for my king. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. This is worth my life. This is worth your life. Whether you choose it or not, it's worth it. When you point to something beyond yourself, your life gains purpose and hope begins to rise inside of you because it doesn't, it's not about you anymore. So we boast. We boast in baptisms. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We're going to baptize some people the rest of the day. We're going to get excited. We're going to go nuts. Why? Because every story of new life points not to an individual's glory or deservedness. It doesn't point to a church's glory and effectiveness or to a pastor or to an author, but to God. That only God could do this. Only God can make things right that we had screwed up so much glory. We have seen the glory of the Lord rise among us when people's lives are transformed. And I see the glory of the Lord rising in you. I do. Even if you don't believe in him, I see it happening. I see this hope happening inside of you as God draws you closer to him. We boast because some of you right now are feeling that desire to follow God. Maybe you're returning to it for the first time in a long time. Maybe you want it for yourself. You're making that decision. And when you do make that decision to follow after Jesus and to accept that justification that we just talked about, the glory of the Lord becomes yours. In fact, you become part of his glory. You join his treasure. You become a trophy, a triumph of God. Why? Because instead of death and destruction, you will have new life. What was supposed to be stolen from him and broken and disrepaired and to end will now be made new and clean and it will be made right. That is his glory. That only is something he can do and he revels in it. Instead of life that is mediocre and without purpose, instead of this life being the end, we have a life that means something. And so we boast in the glory that's rising up inside of you. The Bible calls this the riches of God's glory in Christ Jesus. And each one of us get to join it. So we will boast when you make this choice because you represent the glory of God. And we revel. See, we celebrate now. We boast now because we know that more is coming. Yeah, someday at the very end of everything, God's going to make everything right and no longer pain and suffering and hurt. That's all going to go away. He's going to come back and make everything right once and for all. And the glory of God will shine in always. And we look forward to it and we have to. But I'm talking about reveling in the future that's a little bit closer See, people will overcome addiction and hurts and pains and hangups and families will be reunited and the church will bring unity to our city, not by forcing something, but by bringing Jesus Christ into it. We will see old things made new when we boast in the glory of God. So that's why we celebrate. That's why we go nuts. That's why people look at us and they go, what is wrong with you? And the question is, what is right? We have found this life in the full and we can't stop talking about it. And when we celebrate, something changes inside of us and changes around us. We do these weekends because we need to remind ourselves what God has done. Why? Because hope, hope is what the world needs and it's what we need. And we hope in glory. See, when the glory of God shines, when his glory shines in you, 
when it shines in people getting baptized, when it shines in us, do you know that the darkness must retreat? That it can't stay there, that darkness must go away and the glory of God, back in that throne room where there's this glory and this brightness, darkness has to retreat when the glory of God shines. Hopelessness, fear, depression, anger, hate, they sputter and they die in the face of God's glory. Hope rises when we stand on grace and boast in glory. Amen? It rises in us when we accept the justification of our past and justice is served on our behalf through Jesus Christ. When we stand in the throne room of God because of his grace, we know that we have access to help. So no matter what happens, we will endure. When we boast in God's glory, we live into the purpose of what we were made to do and we find that full life. But there's one more thing. There's one more thing, because what steals my hope more than anything is suffering, is hurt, is pain, and there's a hurting world around me and you. Even the struggle of following God, because it's a struggle. It's not easy all the time. Even the struggle of following him feels like suffering at times. And I look forward to the glory that will come when God makes all things new, and I believe it. I know it will happen But hope sometimes seems hopeless when there's suffering all around me, when people die, when there's hurt, when there's a cost. And Paul knows. And so he wants hope to rise in us. And he continues on. Listen, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. We glory in our sufferings? Who wants to glory in suffering? Well, because what we have in God, it produces hope. Even suffering produces more hope because it drives us closer to God and in his throne room, which we have access to. It produces hope not in our ability, not in our skill, but in his sovereignty and in his power that we will overcome and we will see him move. You know, we have some people who are getting baptized today. And I want them to know that when you get baptized, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be great and rosy and good. But when you get baptized, it actually means that you've drawn a line in the sand and said, my life, let it be for your glory. And he says, okay. And so there's usually this shaping that happens, this moment, this line in the sand that you step over and continue on. There's this moment in your life you can look back on and say, man, my life changed from that moment because I got serious about glorifying God. And for some of you, you need to get serious about glorifying God. You've known him. You haven't gotten baptized. You need to do that. You need to go after what God has for you. It's a life that is full. And when suffering will come, it won't destroy you. It will produce hope. We stand in grace and boast in God's glory no matter what happens because it will increase our hope. So is hope hopeless? No. Now, that verse we just read makes me sometimes feel like I need to pull myself up, right? Just get some character, get some more hope, muscle it out. That's not what he's saying, and he continues in verse five as we finish with this. And hope, listen, does not put us to shame. When we hope in God, it is always 
worth it because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, when we accept Jesus Christ, we were given this grace to stand in his presence, but we were given something else. We were given his very presence inside of our hearts, the Holy Spirit. And so the reason we can hope is not because we pull it out of ourselves, but because it's been placed inside of us through the love of God, this Holy Spirit, this fire that's inside of us. It allows us to love. It allows us to hope. And some of you need to remind yourself of that. Some of you need to engage again for the time in a long while first time in a long while you need to engage with the Holy Spirit inside of you you need to let it rise you need to let it rise in you this love of God like a holy fire burning inside letting it rise letting it rise why so it's for Jesus so that we can glorify him God I pray that we would have a passion in our heart, that you would stir it inside of us because this passion and love for God, when it overflows, it turns into hope for others. And we need hope in this world more than ever before. When we place our hope in God, it will never let us down. People will, the world will, but God will never let you down. When you hope in what he will do someday, you hope in something that will happen. And he wants to communicate to you how much he loves you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You've been justified if you follow after him and you have new life and new hope. As we finish right now, it is time for some of you to make a decision. There's two decisions that some of you need to make today. That's what I'd like us all to do in solidarity with the people who need to make these decisions. And I'd like all of us to stand in grace, to stand right now in grace, to stand up and place our feet. I want you just to imagine for a moment that you're in the very throne room of God and to plant your feet because you belong there because of what Jesus Christ has done. And there's two groups of people in the room. The first group of people is you need to choose Jesus. You need to be justified. And you need to make that decision right now. And we're going to do it in just a moment. The second group of people is you need to put a line in the sand. And you need to get baptized today. And I'll tell you more about how that can happen. But if you want to make that decision, even in your mind right now, that you're going to do it. And you should. And we've prepared for you. I'll let you know more about that in a minute. Before we go a step further, the reason why we are here as a church, the reason why we're here is to glorify God. And the greatest way that God can be glorified is when something that was lost is now found. When something that was dead is now alive. And for many of you, it could be you today. That you could choose to follow him. And so what you need to do is you need to talk to God. You need to express to him how you're feeling because he's here, he's listening, and he wants to restore the relationship with you. I'd love to help you do that. So can you close your eyes? Everybody here, close your eyes. And I'm going to say some words and give some pauses. And there are going to be words that I want you to repeat out loud or in your heart or in any way you can. And I just want to guide you as you talk to God. This is not something I'm doing for you. This is something that you are accepting from him. And so if you could pray this prayer with me, make a decision to follow him. God, I'm broken. I need someone to rescue me, to pay for my debt, 
I want to be justified. I want to be made new. I want to have purpose. I want my life to mean something. I want there to be more than this. And I believe that Jesus Christ, he made a way for me to experience more. To be forgiven, to be made new, to have purpose, and God, to have hope. Hope in something more. And so I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to follow him. And in that choice, there is something spoken over me. And that's justification. I am clean. I am new. And I will glorify you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org or fill out the forum linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.